Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Tuesday, January 19th. We're T-minus 228 days until Auburn, T-minus 14 days until National Signing Day. We're starting to regain use of our limbs and our taste for food and drink, and life is good. Welcome back, guys. We are here to begin the grueling off-season stretch. Uh, here at the podcast, we will be cutting back our schedule probably to about a couple times a month. We'll mix in some interviews as we go um, throughout the football off-season here. But certainly Clemson's got a bunch of other stuff going on. We've got Clemson basketball in full swing right now, which we will touch on shortly. Baseball's about, about to get, begin back up. And as we all know, really football season's never over with recruiting cycles, um, spring practice, uh, fall practice, etc. So stick with us um, and you can keep up on all things Clemson. Um, I'm joined today by, we've got Ben and Cody, the full podcast rosters back together. Getting into this episode, we will give you all some parting thoughts on the 2015 season. We've had about a week plus to recover, gain some new perspective on uh, the season and the national championship game. We will look ahead to the 2016 roster, NFL departures from some of the underclassmen, um, spots we're going to need to fill, either seniors graduating or moving on, um, or those aforementioned departures. We've also got some transfers coming in, and we'll look ahead to the roster this year with recruits um, that we hope to get some playing time and sort of backfill for guys that have moved on. And like I mentioned at the top, Clemson Hoops um, has had a resurgence of late, so we uh, look forward to touching on their progress so far. Ben's been keeping up with that most among the three of us. Uh, but first thing, I mean, maybe let's just take it all the way back to the 2015 football season. Um, we are only eight days removed from the end of that, that time frame, but it's been a long eight days for me, and I feel like the season itself feels like a really long time ago. Yeah, it really seems like a lifetime ago that um, I was sitting there in uh, University of Phoenix Stadium watching that football game, which, by the way, was one of the coolest moments I've ever experienced in my life from, um, you know, the, the trip down to Phoenix, uh, going to Death Valley, um, and then, you know, through Las Vegas for the first time, and then, uh, you know, again, on down to Phoenix, went to Scottsdale, uh, the night before the game, saw uh, C.J. Spiller, Jacoby Ford, Sammy Watkins. I was actually, and this is probably one of the coolest things that ever happened to me, I'm walking through the bar that we're at, uh, going to the bathroom, and out of nowhere from the VIP section, I see this huge dude just kind of rumbling down at me, saying, hey, hey man, what's up? I look up and it's Brandon Thomas, and he recognized me from, and we talked about this on a podcast earlier in the season, we had a... Uh, a tailgate to kind of kick off the football season a back picnic, in right? right a picnic back in August yeah. of last year before the NFL season. Brandon Thomas, offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers, he actually joined us there. And I met him and got to talk with him and hung out a little bit, but never in my wildest dreams from that one moment of hanging out with him did I think he would ever recognize me in a dark bar with so much going on during the national championship in Scottsdale, Arizona. So that that just blew me away, and that was really awesome. And, and I'll re- reiterate this, what a great guy. Like, he's one of the nicest guys ever. That's yeah, really cool. I mean, of all the guys that probably look like you, you're 5'10", like, white dude. I look like you. every other white guy walking down the street. And, yeah, 
he he recognized me. So that that was really cool. Um, but other than that, the game itself, it was really awesome. Like I haven't had to talk about a loss yet here on the podcast. I don't really know how to go about doing this, especially because this loss, honestly, I thought it would it would hurt like more than any other loss I've ever experienced. But I don't think it did for some reason. Even when it happened, I was almost at peace with it right away. And part of the reason is because I know what a special, special season uh, we just enjoyed watching. Um, the, the whole journey and the ride, getting to know this football team, getting to connect with Clemson fans who weren't around in 81 and got to see this, like it was a really special moment. Um, you know, a loss like that honestly hurt less to me uh, than uh, a bad loss to Florida State when we thought we were going to be really good that year and had a shot. Like, it, 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 you know, I, it really made me appreciate what we went through this season as fans, but also what this football team went through and overcame and had to endure in, in getting to 14-0 and and getting to the national championship game for the first time in, you know, what, over three decades and really playing toe-to-toe and could have beaten Alabama. It's kind of like, at least I think, the Clemson fan base has a sense of that we were playing with house money all year. Like we, we, you know, we were projected, what were we, preseason 13? And the fact that we even made it, again, it's like we're playing with house money. And it's good that you you can see like the bigger picture. You can have some perspective. But I'm still a little, I don't know, a little salty about it. Because I, even though we were playing with house money, we were we way outperformed expectations. I feel like we were the best team on that football field. It, and it stinks that we lost because well, of special teams. No, and I, I will agree with that. I think at the end of the day that, you know, aside from the two special teams blunders, that we were the best team out on that field. And you're, you'll hear a lot of Alabama fans, by the way, did not expect this, don't know why, but Alabama fans were very gracious uh, before and after the game. I was really impressed by them. Um, you know, maybe I'm just kind of... Uh, you know, the opposing team uh, experience is ruined for me by South Carolina fans. I just expect every opponent to be like that. But I was actually really impressed by Alabama fans. I'd, I'd chalk some of that up to the profile of the fan that can go to a national championship and travel and, and that is that passionate about their team. you got a lot of, like, armchair quarterbacks in their fan base that, you know, stick at home and kind of appeal to that SEC st- fan stereotype. But I don't think any SEC program should have its fan base judged by the South Carolina fan base. I'll see, I've been to Athens a few times, and they're not very... It's a pretty... It's right there with Alabama. It's probably worse. And I've heard that about Georgia fans, absolutely. But, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe a lot of fans stay at home. At the same time, I think that also comes with the territory of having now won 16 national championships in your history. Uh, You know how to act like you've been there. Good point. One, One other point to that, too, Ben, is like looking at... How, how disappointing it is. I feel like because we know we got Deshaun Watson coming back, we feel like it's just the beginning. I think that is more the perspective, the bigger picture. Yeah, it was a great season. Right. You know, we appreciate all the hard work, but we feel like we're just on the, like, well, we're it, at the precipice. We're, we're just starting. And that's what we said all year long. And at the beginning of the season, we were talking about it. We didn't think this was our year. So it's even that much more surprising uh, that we we're able to make it this far. And again, it was all about the journey. It was all about the ride. It was game in and game out. Now, going into next year, we're going to expect to win every game. There's going to be no question. Game to game, you're like, nope, we should win this one. We should win that one. We should win. Uh, we should beat FSU. Uh, we should win at Auburn. We should win the ACC championship. But this year was different. We didn't think that going in. We thought there was a point where we would slip up. It didn't happen. And and there was, you know, even as the season uh 
went along, you know, our defense was strong earlier in the year as our offense was starting to get their legs under them and get going. And as the defense started to tire out towards the end of the year, the offense was picking them up. And by the end of the year, then we started realizing, okay, we've got something going on here. Going into the Oklahoma game and after that, going into the Alabama game, you really felt confident. And we saw that play on the field. Like three quarters of that game, we were the best team on that field. I feel like for us, you talked about the journey of the season. This year definitely felt like uncharted territory for us as fans where you know we, we started to clear those hurdles early on. We beat Louisville on the road. We hung on to win there. We overcame Notre Dame. That was a great win that kind of built the momentum up. It continued to snowball throughout the year with the Florida State wins, not stumbling on the road to Miami or NC State, taking care of business against South Carolina, winning the ACC. Like These things built up and kind of moved us forward. And I feel like we as fans enjoyed it. I mean, watching the team dance in the locker room, watching the post-game remarks from Dabo, like this team had fun doing this and exceeding expectations. And I fear that a, like that's when you do need to capitalize on your opportunities and, 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 and win because it is so hard to, to continue to do that. And stars kind of need to align. Um, this next year, it's going to be a different story. I think it's going to be playing from a position of, you know, dominance or superiority. And you're kind of at the top of the hill, maintaining that position with the target on your back to throw like 18 cliches at you guys at once. Um, but, that's what we're going to be up against. But, and I don't know if it's going to be as enjoyable. It's... Yeah, it's like the business-like approach. Right. We're going to come in. Are we going to be tight? Are we going to look like Ohio State? Granted, they did win the championship. A- Alabama does that year in and year out, though. And, and think about this. I mean, talk about having a target on your back. This team did have a target on its back since the first college football playoff rankings came out. And they played with that target as the number one team all year long uh, for the rest of the season to the national championship game. And now, as I think the third youngest team in the country this year, those guys are coming back knowing how to play with a target on their back and knowing that they're going to have that target on the back all year long. I mean, I'm confident we can handle that pressure, but it, I want to clarify, like, that was the last six weeks of the season. This is eight, nine months of offseason, and then every opponent looking at us as a top-five team. But now these guys have a taste of it. They know what it's like to play for a national championship, and they know what it's like to lose a national championship. They want to know what it's like to win. Right, I think it adds an element of hunger that they're going to bring to the table. And quite frankly, this is not Clemson homerism. This is just, I saw the game. After seeing Deshaun Watson did what he did to Alabama, that historically good defense, I don't think the North Carolinas or the Wake Forest or even the Florida States of the world are scaring him next year. No, absolutely not. I mean, this is a guy that came in and you saw that one of his first passes as a true freshman in that Georgia game was just on the money. One of the one of the most beautiful passes he's still thrown to date in his career. I mean, that guy... That it, second it, Renfro touchdown was pretty nice. Too. Yeah. and That, it, was, a, that was a bullet. To speaking strong. of true freshmen, Hunter Renfro, I mean, <laughs> what, what, what did I tell you? How, now, we'll pull up audio clips of you early in the season. Like, and how many touchdowns yeah. I thought he'd have. And I think I said four. And how many did he have on the season, including the national championship game? I have no idea. It was four or five. <laughs> Nobody believed Regardless, me. you said he was going to be a, a big part of the offense, and I laughed at you for like six weeks straight. Yeah, and in all fairness, I, I didn't witness. really know that. I was just witness. trusting what Dabo said. That's <laughs> the, the damn thing about recording a podcast. It's recorded. We will hold you directly accountable. Kevin. Nobody was listening um, back then. It doesn't matter. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, well, we touched on a few memorable moments. I mean, I think for me, top five 
or yeah, I don't I don't really have a list prepared here, but definitely the most um, significant moment for me was at the end of the first half against NC State when it looked like we had our first actual you know dogfight on our hands. I think Notre Dame we kind of you know sleepwalked through that second half. Louisville a little bit too. NC State though we were in a fight and we came down. I think we had something like forty nine seconds on the clock and two or three plays. Deshaun leads that team down the field. I think that was the moment where he took back over that team and we became that offensive identity that we held through the rest of the year. That for me was such a big turning point for the season. Everyone wants to talk about the Notre Dame, you know, uh, two point conversion stop that we had. And don't get me wrong, I was in the stadium for that. I was like, you know, we were at about the five yard line where our seats were. And um, incredible moment. You know, I've never heard a louder moment in a stadium. And I was in the Seahawks stadium for the Beastquake. And I swear, Death Valley was louder at that moment. So, um, you know, that was great. But I, I do feel like that NC State touchdown at the end of the half put us to another level as a team. And that just set the tone. But everybody forgets that in the Louisville game that they were they had the ball and were driving, um, you know, only down by three uh, before they uh, before uh, Jadar Johnson picked off that pass. So that was a game very early in the season that we could have lost, you know, the third game of the year, our first true test of the year. Uh, so that was very memorable for me to be able to, 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 to play at Louisville Thursday night um, and pull out that game because then you really start to feel like, okay, maybe we're there. You know, Louisville at that time I think was 0-2. They hadn't started the season so great. Uh, their loss to Houston actually at the end of the season looked a lot better than it did at that point. Their loss to Auburn, although, looked worse. Uh, so there was that. And then the Notre Dame game with the Typhoon, you know, and everything going on, just to, to pull that out. And then you really feel like we arrived, right? It's like, all right, this Clemson team could do something this year. There's going to be some question marks on the schedule uh, moving forward. But we've we, we faced a couple tough tasks early in the season. Let's see these young guys grow up. And then that Miami game. That Miami game, 58 to nothing. It was after that game that I went ahead and and bought my tickets to the national championship game. That that's the one where I felt confident. For twenty bucks, the odds still. Right? Well, that was the right to buy them. I mean, I ended up paying face value, but yeah, reserved the right to buy them for uh, for twenty bucks. Bought six tickets to the national championship game after that Miami victory. So that was another huge moment for me. Um, but honestly, never really in the season up until the Alabama game did I ever really feel like we were going to lose. Uh, maybe early on uh, in the Florida State game where Dalvin Cook was just like busting runs and running all over us. But other than that, I really felt like we were in control of every single game we played all year. And honestly, even in the South Carolina and North Carolina games, uh, the last two games of the regular season, in the AC, well, the ACC championship and the last game of the regular season, the only reason those were close were because of dumb plays and turnovers. Otherwise, you take those things away, we were clearly the most talented team on the field all year long, except for the Alabama game. Yeah, I think the whole year there was this quiet suspicion that what could this team be if the offense and the defense could match one another? And we knew what was going on. Deshaun Watson was getting his legs back under him, quite, you know, quite literally. And we started seeing his very gradual progression. Obviously, the defense looked good from day one, and then they started with a slow like decline because of injuries, just lack of depth, and we all like the quiet suspicion being that you know twenty day rest period before the Oklahoma game. It's like what what kind of product will this end product be if, if both you know sides of the ball are clicking at the end? And we saw it in the Oklahoma game. We didn't play that well in the first half, and we still dominated a, an elite team. And then of course, I think we did 
just as well against Alabama. I think we even played a better game. We executed at a higher level. For the most part. Against a lot better team and uh, obviously just a few minor errors on special teams. And I'm not even <laughs> sure that they were a lot better team. I mean, I, I look at those three quarters. Oh, no, I, I, I said I don't, th- I don't think they are. The, I don't think they were the better team. They were better at special teams. Yeah, and that's about it. A lot know. better. Yeah, I mean, a couple you know, bad plays really. You know, that was the tail of tape for that game. Yeah. Other than that, we were better than them on offense. We were better than them on defense. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, I mean, do you feel like among the seasons we've all watched, I mean, this is kind of a, a cupcake question, but was this the best Clemson team that you've seen play? Yeah, 20 minutes later, getting back to your original question, it's the best team I've seen ever, and it's not really even that close. Um, we, like we said, we, see, we saw a great offense in 2012 and 2013. We saw a great defense in 2014. Uh, but, you know, all together, yeah, absolutely the best team I've ever seen. I wasn't around in 81. Yeah, I, I think, you know, this question for anybody who only remembers Clemson football from the 90s on, yes, obviously this is the best Clemson team you've ever seen. The real question is, and we can't answer that, honestly, because none of us were really around or remember the 81 season. Despite the loss in the national championship game, could this have been the best Clemson team that the Clemson has ever had? I think it is very possible. You got to look at the opponent that we played. Was Alabama a better opponent than Nebraska? I think an argument could be made for that. And again, we can't say that because we weren't around for that season. We didn't watch that season. We didn't analyze that season. Uh, but I do know how strong we were on offensive defense. Uh, the the great defense that we faced in Alabama, the really strong offensive line that we faced in Alabama, and the fact that we won both games in the trenches, really, or, or I mean, we, yeah. we won the the trenches battle on both sides of the ball, not to mention that, I'm sorry, but Deshaun Watson is better than Homer Jordan. <laughs> that, that's probably true. I mean, I, I, I also look at, look at the historical programs that we've faced and beat this year. Notre Dame, Florida State, Oklahoma, Gave Alabama a run. They had to onside kick and get a return touchdown to beat us. I mean, you know, quite possibly we could have gone 4-0 against that that murderer's row. Dominated our ACC opponents by and large. You know, blew Miami off the map. How many coaches, you know, did we face or basically get fired this year? I mean, I think it was, yeah, by far our, our best season overall. And no disrespect to the 81 team. Well, no, absolutely. And I, I just don't know if there was any question that season like did Clemson kind of go wire to wire down the stretch um I need to look that up and read through it but in fact I don't like comparing teams from 34 years apart it's two different eras things were different players were different I I just think in this day and age it's a lot harder to make it to the play for a national championship right now you've got you need to win your conference outright and there's a game there's a game that settles that back in the day it was really about just your record and conference play um, they well, used to have a single bowl game. Now you not only have to win one bowl game, you have to win a second. Well, not to mention, uh, we played, uh, Nebraska was actually the number four ranked team in that game, in the Orange Bowl that we played to win the national championship, or eventually uh, end up being ranked number one and being given the national championship. We played this year, the, at that time, ranked number two team in the country, ultimately the number one team in the country. Again, I mean, Two of the best teams, Clemson, Clemson history, um, did did not quite get it done. But I think, a, it's just a moment that we all need to appreciate for itself. I think we, you made a great point, Cody. Like, is the fact that we've got Deshaun Watson and crew coming back does that make this loss a little more palatable for people? Because 
hey, we're not done yet. You know, this isn't the culmination of everything. Um, we don't have like over half of our team on both sides of the ball going to the league or graduating. I think there is a chance for something else, but um, you know, it's it's still a matter of we talked about how hard it is to get there, and you've got to win your league, win your conference championship, win the the semifinal bowl game, and then overcome what's likely to be the number one or number two team in the country in that that championship game. That's not a, you can't pencil us into that next year or the year after. Um, depending who all comes back. So something where, you know, one of the legacies I'll take away from this is like amazing team, phenomenal moments. Um, but that said, it's it's a little bit of a what if is what I'm left with. Yeah, but doesn't it feel a lot better uh, going into the off season, heading into next year? Uh, having had the season that we did, uh, went 14-0 until ultimately losing to Alabama in the national championship game. Uh, along the way, beating Oklahoma the way we did in a college football playoff game, uh, it, it's a lot easier going into the offseason having just gone through that than, let's say, oh, losing to South Carolina and then 70-33 uh, to 33 or whatever to West Virginia in a bowl game, right? Yeah, that loss stings in the national championship game, but it's a lot easier to take that one, honestly, and go into the offseason than some of the previous seasons we've seen recently. Again, and Deshaun Watson is coming back. That helps. Yeah, that's true. But it's not just him. I mean, there's so much more talent. I mean, think of the recruiting classes we got coming in this year. Think of all the quarterbacks we have behind Deshaun Watson. It doesn't end at him. Yes, he could very well be the greatest quarterback ever, and these other guys aren't going to be as good as him, but they're going to be really, really good. The future is very bright for Clemson football, and don't forget that. Well, I'm going to take that as our segue to move on to the 2016 team. Uh, we'd be remiss going there without talking about some of the announcements of the last week. Players announcing they're going to leave for the NFL. Um, in our game recap, Cody and I touched on some of the names that we expected to actually um, stick around and potentially you know, develop their game a bit more, but it turned out they're going to take off. So real quick, I'll run down the list. Uh, we knew Shaq Lawson was out. I think he committed um, either, yeah, right before the Oklahoma game, right? Um, you know, he... He had a phenomenal career, you know, no, no question Shaq is ready for the league and ready to move on. Um, Kevin Dodd, he's off to the league. I think this was something that all year he continued to build a great resume and continue to outperform expectations and shore up that other side of the line. Good for him, um, knowing that he transferred in from, I believe, a JUCO. Um, Kevin Dodd's, I think, 24 years old. He went to prep school. Or prep school, I'm sorry. He's 24 now. 24, so no, yeah. you know, no surprise that he's moving on. Um, Mackenzie Alexander, that was one that we kind of all um, secretly hoped, or not secretly, but secretly knew he was going to head to the league. Um, and injury aside from the Natty, I think you know that was expected. But the two guys we were talking about, J. Ron Kirst, T.J. Green, um, they they declared for the draft. And for me, it's going to be interesting to see, are they like a top three round talent, uh, either of those guys, or are they going to slip into some of the later rounds? And could they have improved that draft stock coming back for another year? I certainly think they could have, and I, I don't think Curse and Green are fall in the same bucket. I think Curse is gonna, he's look, he looks better on tape. Um, both of them are gonna, their measurables are gonna, you know, be off the charts, and that's gonna, you know, put Curse in that first round consideration. I don't know what's going on with Green. I, you know, he, he definitely did not go out on a positive note, uh, and you know, not to not to kick him while he's down, but uh, and you know, he's a Clemson man. We appreciate his work. I don't know what's going on with his family, personal situation. Maybe he needs to leave. But this is, he has a 
perfect opportunity in the business case to come back to go from probably what would be a third, maybe fourth round pick. I don't know, maybe even you, later. You think that high? I'm thinking six or seven. I'm saying maybe that's the best case, but he's definitely uh, he has first round potential with his size, his uh, his athleticism. What the heck is he doing? This is a bad decision. Um, and again, man, what a bad way to go out after giving up 14 points in the national championship game. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, okay. Shaq Lawson and McKenzie Alexander, we knew they were gone. We knew they were gone at the beginning of the season. There was no question about that. Uh, Kevin Dodd, absolutely, who sh- he should go. I never thought coming into the season that he would be going. Like the way he progressed over the course of the year, there's mock drafts right now that have him higher than Shaq Lawson. Now, I don't believe that'll be the case. Ultimately, Shaq will get healthy, um, and he should be a higher pick than Kevin Dodd. But, you know, kudos to Kevin Dodd. Like, he deserves this. Worked his butt off all year, and he played really great, especially towards the end of the season. So, yeah, that brings us down to J. Ron Curse and Green. Curse, uh, he had a decent first half of the season. He has all the physical tools to be a great NFL player, but... I wasn't really impressed with him at the end of the this, this season. You think that all these NFL scouts are going to go back and, and look at the tape and see that Olay on Switzer in the North Carolina game? Or some of the missed tackles or, or poor tackling uh, in the Oklahoma and the Alabama game? There's a certain element of pride, I think, with coaches. It's like, give me talent and I can develop it. And that's what they'll see in Curse. Um, not, I don't know if I feel the same about Green, but... Uh, I, I completely agree. You look at Curse from his freshman year, just completely lost. And he, you know, he did improve and got better. And I think what made him so valuable to Clemson was the, the way in which you could use him. But as a true NFL safety, he's not there yet. And I, don't, I, I wonder if he can be there by some of the instincts, lack of instincts that I saw this year. Um, same with TJ Green. But, but at least with Curse, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the year of him possibly, if he had a good year going to the NFL. Nobody talked that way about Green. And nobody watching him play this season thought that about Green. So, honestly, to me, that is the most surprising thing. So, you're right, uh, Tully, I think you said it. Maybe there's other things going on uh, in his family life in the background that's prompting him to leave. But does anybody really see him higher than a fifth-round pick? I mean, and again, you mentioned the film. That matters. Their measurables matter. He could have a great combine and blow everybody out of the water. I just don't, I don't know. I feel like it was maybe coming off of that loss. I don't know if they wanted to come back and face another season. I'm, I'm not as sure, but, you know, I can't begrudge these guys from going and trying to grab a paycheck. That being said, the paycheck could be so much greener, so much larger. No pun intended. Getting that development. <laughs> no, right. It, it, I don't criticize anyone for wanting to become a millionaire, and that's what will happen for, the, you know, for most of these guys. I don't know about green. But uh, so, I, yeah, I can't fault them for that either. But like you said, what we talked about this last week is that you, you go as a six round pick or you go undrafted as a free agent. They don't have as much stock in you. They don't they don't care as much for you. You go as a first or second round draft pick, then they're going to invest something in you. They're, they're going to invest time, resources and give you a longer lease to be successful. Not to mention the guarantee money is is a lot more. So, yeah, because six and seventh round draft picks don't always make it. A lot of times they don't even I mean, make the team. Yeah, fifty-three man roster. There's not enough spots. You know, they draft these guys on a on a show it basis um, in, in preseason camp. Right, first sign of a bad attitude, or you get caught smoking some weed in a hotel room, and you're gone. You know, you, you do that as a first round pick, they might give you a longer leash. Just saying. 
So let's talk a bit about the guys that are staying. Um, we wish these guys the best in the, in the NFL. I think it's nice to see um, Clemson players continuing to, we're going to hear their name on draft weekend. Um, so that's going to be awesome. But the guys that could have gone that ended up sticking around, um, this is a great list and a great thing to see for us. Um, let's start kind of in chronological order here from when they declared. Uh, the night of the natty, we were kind of after the game sulking um, in Ben's RV. And we read an erroneous tweet that Leggett said he was gone, but it came out that Leggett, you know, re-upped and he's coming back for his senior year. What do you guys think? Were you expecting Jordan Leggett after kind of, I would say, like, bucking the perception of lazy Leggett, having a really solid year? Did you expect him to kind of cash in on that and go on to the league? I'm really impressed by his decision to stay and uh, his work ethic and how it improved and the, the product that he put on the field this year. Everybody did buck him for being lazy legged. That's an, again a name he like gave himself, right? He did, yeah. So everybody kind of, you know, his first two years was wondering, okay, where's this guy at? He has a ton of abilities, it's gonna be a matchup problem, especially going into last year. We thought that would be the case. It didn't really play out. And then coming into this year, we finally saw it start to click. So then you start to question yourself, like, okay, this guy's a junior, is his mindset on the NFL, that's why he's focused, you know. It's like being in a contract year in right. baseball or something like that. <clears throat> Uh, but then to play the way he did this year and then to, to lose in the national championship and come out right afterwards and say that, no, I'm coming back this year, that, that dispels all those uh, uh, rumors or thoughts or whatever you, you know, uh, thought the way that he, uh, the reasons behind the way he played this year. I think you look at what's, uh, Dwayne Allen and his comp- progression is complete 180 during his time at Clemson where he went from this guy that Dabo Sweeney thought he was gonna have to kick off the team and Leggett was never in that same boat he was just lazy by his own admission and he's improved I think what's surprising about him is you you talk about people are in these kids ears and and they're 21 they're kids and someone the wrong people are in curse or in greens ear probably I don't know that for certain but I had to feel like someone smart and intelligent is in Leggett's ear because He's going to come back next year and be part of a very high-powered offense with Deshaun Watson and a, and a feature piece. And he's going to propel himself from what is probably fifth or sixth round, maybe a little bit better, to probably a first, second round consideration for next year. That's It's very smart. It's a business move. It's a smart move. If he progresses the way uh, – uh, if, if he progresses into next year the way he did this year – yeah, he's going to be a very successful NFL player. He's going to get a lot of attention. It's going to he, he's put him going to in the mold of like Kellen Winslow or something like that. Although a much better career than Kellen Winslow had, but the hype kind of maybe coming into to the NFL. Right, right. I could, yeah. Uh, another offensive weapon for Clemson coming back is Wayne Gallman. I think this was one where, you know, where the running back position has been drafted of late. Uh, the guys going into the league into the league from the college ranks. Uh, I would say, you know, this isn't too big a surprise for me that Gallman's coming back and he gets to be a feature piece of that offense next year. It's going to be, you know, a historically good offense. So, again, great to get a weapon like that back. Um, maybe not as big of a surprise, but what do you guys think? I mean, can we expect the same type of – is he going to beat his career yardage mark next year? That, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm actually – what is his ceiling? Can he be any better than he was last year? And like, I could, I could make a case for him to go to the NFL. As a Clemson fan, I don't I want him to stay for two more years. But that's a good, that's a good thought. Like he perf- you know, way outperformed expectations um, in terms of uh, getting, you know, getting past tackles or um, tacklers in space. He's, his, his agility is like off the charts right now. Um, he's showing physicality, but he's, he's in this like nice 
kind of medium between a physical runner, but also a, you know, kind of a speedy runner. Agile. Can can he get any better? I don't know if he can, but I'm glad he's coming back. Well, not to mention, I think, I mean, Gallman coming into the season was the clear number one, I think. And then uh, he was uh, early on, C.J. Davidson got some carries uh, just kind of out of, you know, being the senior. Uh, but then that started to, 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 to wane. And then uh, Zach Brooks got some looks. But for the most part, Gallman was a go-to guy. Uh now, looking at next year, uh, we've got Feaster coming in. We got Adam Choice, who's apparently looked really good. Do we see uh, Gallman's role start to de- decrease a little bit? I mean, he's still obviously going to be the number one back, but you start seeing uh, carries taken away from him and spread around, not just to keep him durable uh, or to keep him healthy uh, throughout the year, but also get some of these other guys some touches. I'm curious if Feaster redshirts. What do you guys think? Not a chance. Not a chance. No, I mean, I, for one, he's just too much talent. Like, it's not going to happen. But there's promises made during recruiting that you, you don't go back on. And I think you've seen that with a few guys already. So, yeah, he, he's he's playing. I think his role is uh, – well, Gallman's role is reduced. Not just because of Feaster, not because of Choice, a few other guys. But just because he's, ta- he's taking a, a lot of hits. And I think it's time that he kind of you know cuts back on that, saves his body for the NFL. But I, I think he has a chance to improve his stock. Not a whole lot, though. I think, you know, as we go throughout the season, we play some of the weaker opponents on our schedule. Yes, you're going to see Choice and Feaster get a lot of carries. But I guarantee you in that Auburn game, uh, first game of the year next year, Gallman gets 80% of the carries, at least, in the backfield. Yeah, I think it's going to probably shake out in some type of a situational running, um, you know, scenario here where, yeah, first, second down, Gallman's your guy, and then we can mix in Adam Choice or... Feaster will be in there on some design packages. Um, I mean, think of the athletes we're going to have going that give you kind of the look that Feaster does from well, Ray Ray McLeod. There's going to be different backs and different passing downs because that's not Goldman's strong point. And, and, and listen, it's okay if he doesn't get all the touches uh, going throughout the year. I mean, that's how the NFL is now setting up with running backs. I mean, you have two go-to running backs in the NFL. And then when one running back goes down, there's another guy that just comes in. That's how the NFL works. So you better get used to it. Just a sneak peek into Feaster. This guy's going to make guys miss at the running back position that we haven't seen since Spiller. So that's one. He's going to help us from day one. But also he can catch out of the backfield, um, kind of on the same level as like Zach Brooks. So it's an element that we wouldn't otherwise have. I worry about his, um, his ability to, to you know, pass protect and, and to block. But aside from that, that might be his only area where he needs some improvement. Um, so that kind of wraps up the juniors coming back for their senior year on offense. Um, we'll lose a couple guys off the defensive line. But um, all in all, I think it's going to be really high-powered, potent offense. We mentioned pretty much all the seniors or the juniors leaving on the defensive side, but a couple of juniors who we were worried about losing: Carlos Watkins, defensive tackle, and Cordrea Tankersley. At um, he played the um, weak side corner position. Tank's coming back as well. I feel like he's probably the bigger re-up or the biggest re-up of all four. Um, just in terms of who we did lose and sort of the lack of depth and number of snap counts behind him and behind Mac. Um, just really important to maintain some type of continuity, leadership role. Um, and I thought Tank was, you know, among probably the ACC's best corners but down the stretch throughout the end of the year. He had five picks this year um, and definitely was targeted way more than Mac. Yeah, the way I see it is he, he's not going to be as good of a cover corner as Mac, but he... If he takes a step forward, he could be a better all-around corner because he has a lot better ball skills. He's got those interceptions. Um, he, he looked ter- he looked terrific. There wasn't a huge drop-off from him to Mac. 
Um, so I, I think that, that, like you said, that is the biggest offseason, you know, in terms of what we're losing, what we have from a depth chart standpoint, that is crucial or critical for, uh, for our success in 2016. And Carlos Watkins, you know, we have a ton of depth at defensive tackle. He played out of his mind this year, and it gives us you need you need to have depth there at defensive tackle. Can't have too much. You see Ebo, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, that's why team. Alabama was so strong was their rotation and their ability to wear teams out down the stretch with high snap counts. You know, if you've got six seven guys in that D line cycling in, um, you can you can outlast teams. And I haven't read this anywhere, but I, and I think I've told you this and told you guys this in text, but I think this could mean. You may you may see Christian Wilkins knocked outside to the strong side defensive end or get some reps there on like running plays, first and second down. Tight end. Uh, strong, wide, no, wide out. Strong side defensive end. They can catch, too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you might see him all yeah, over the field, You put that man. kid anywhere on the field. He's, yeah, he's like the fridge. Can, um, he, can he kick off? I'd be cool not seeing any of our defensive players playing snaps on offense, for one. I think we've seen a lot of gimmicky stuff like that from like Houston. Kandichi got a concussion. Kandichi, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I love the trickeration and stuff. Um, we'll never forget that fake punt. Neither will Teasdall. But, um, yeah, I think let's keep these guys on the right side. But, anyway, we've got those guys coming back. Um, we'll definitely get into the two deep as stuff sort of shakes out. But a big component to this coming year, I think by losing all these guys, you are going to see true freshmen and redshirt freshmen getting getting some playing time. Um Cody, not to touch on you know the freshmen that are already signed coming in, but have you seen anything from the transfer wire or any any of the pending recruits that have yet to sign for twenty sixteen? Um, anything of note that you can tell us on the recruiting trail? I think there, there's only one player that sticks out in my mind that could be instant impact next year that we have a stand uh, an actual chance to land, and that would be Trayvon Mullen. I know there's been a lot of talk about Rashawn Gary and how great of a pickup that we, would be, and indeed it would be because we could totally use him at, uh, at the strong side defensive end position, um, and he would be uh, unbelievable from day one. But I, I, don't, I don't see that happen. I think he's a strong Michigan lean. We have a visit, I think, next, next week, uh, but I think it's more of a formality at this point. He's going to come in. He's going to see his uncle in Anderson, uh, and then he's going to commit to Big Blue in like a, a, week from, you know, a week from that. Trayvon Mullen, though, is a, he's right there, high four-star, incredible athleticism, um, I don't know what the heck we've been doing over the last 12 months um, and during his recruitment. He's At this point, I think there's a, a, such strong ties to the home state of Florida and Florida State with uh, LSU being a, a strong contender there too. Um, I would look for him just because of his ability to impact the game uh, probably in his first year, uh, and we need that at the cornerback position. I just think LSU has turned over defense coordinators two years in a row. I, I just have no idea. And they also lost their – chief of recruiting two weeks ago or a week ago I just don't see them in any competitive race here on for defensive players but I do think Florida State I'm reading they're the front runner here for Mullen uh, yeah I mean I think they will be it's and you don't you don't see teams pulling away uh, players from their home state late in the game that have already been working them there's no relation there's been a whole lot of relationship building and that's a huge part of the process and I don't see us get, making up all that ground this, this late in the game. And do you think all, a lot of the attention that's been paid to Mullen by Clemson fans recently, is that more reflective of him and our chances and us watching him the whole time? Or do you think this is a byproduct of who just left for the league and the fact that we view our secondary as potential weak spot for next year? Well, that's an easy one for me. I mean, think about it. We weren't talking about cornerbacks and safeties until all these guys just left. No, you, I, I totally agree. Now you have Levert Hill, uh, cornerback out of 
Michigan, Isaiah Simmons, safety, um, and Daniel Thomas, a three-star cornerback. I mean, these guys, I, don't, I haven't even been keeping up with these guys. I, you know, I, I've been, Mullen's been on my radar. I've watched this film. He looks terrific, but... Uh, you know, these guys are kind of coming out of the woodwork. Well, um, but that being said, certainly we've had our eye on a few of these guys, uh, whether or not these guys are leaving from the NFL, because so far on our board uh, for the 2016 recruiting cycle, the only guy that's committed is Brian Dawkins Jr., a legacy two-star recruit. So certainly the coaching staff has had some openings, some spots saved, and some offers out there ahead of time for some, for some DBs. Yeah, I don't think I don't know if it was poor planning or what, but we we did lose obviously these guys Mac, uh, Green and Curse, and it's kind of caught. I mean, we we're in great standing with some, with some 2017 prospects. I think they had their minds set there, but um, right now we're in a kind of a panic emergency mode, and we're we're casting a wide net. We got probably uh, like five guys out there that we're trying to reel in. We hope we get one. We can might get as we might get as many as three. But I would say we get one in best case scenario right even, now. Even even thinking guys like uh, TJ Green were going to come back. Okay, l- let's say we th- we knew Mac was going to leave and we had a good indication coming into the season that J. Ron Curse, if he had a good year, was going to leave. Uh, even keeping Green and uh, having Tankers League coming back for next year. Uh, you, you sign more than just Brian Dawkins Jr., right? You go after more than one DB, one two-star DB in this class, right? I, I completely agree. It's very questionable. Of all the great things, both in recruiting, on the field success we've done, special teams is it sticks out like a very sore thumb and the, the, kind of this managing cornerback depth and this cycle defensive end depth, only taken one, um, now we're losing two. Is, is questionable, and I don't know. I don't know what the reason behind it is. Um, I know. I think 2017 will answer a lot of questions, um, as that might be one of the best classes in Clemson history. But right now, it's you know just kind of scratching our head. Clemson did bring in transfer from Eastern Tennessee State. Uh, his name's Austin Jackson. So he's got you know on the field playing time, and a, a, obviously not a Power Five conference type of program. But good to see us bolster that depth with. Uh, what, He's going to be basically treated like a walk-on, I believe. Um, not sure where the scholarship pedigree goes there. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe a scholarship. I mean, and he's more of a, I guess, a long-term project. It's nothing instant. I think it's just kind of reloading. I mean, in that case, you take what you can. I mean, as long as they're not off- offering him the scholarship, which I don't think they are, um, it's just a guy to bring in and add depth. You know, we're, we're losing some guys. Even on your scout team, you need somebody out there to play DB. Um, all I know is we've got, you know, aside from Mullen and uh, Levert Hill, we've got uh, two other, a four-star safety in Isaiah Simmons and a three-star safety cornerback in Daniel Thomas. We have offers out to them. And then another guy on the board, four-star uh, defensive back Nigel Knott. There's, there's, I feel like the coaching staff has to have uh, some type of um, feeling that one of these guys are going to sign, especially going into this recruiting cycle knowing that, Dawkins Jr. was the only guy we had. I, I trust his recruiting, recruiting uh, staff and the coaching staff enough to to think that they have to have a plan in place for this. Yeah, I think it's kind of a reactionary plan. And you look at like what happened in the national championship game. Mac went out. Adrian Baker steps in, and nothing against Adrian Baker. He'll be there probably next year. But you see the drop off and th- those sorts of things. Not having that depth. Not having just one extra guy. It, it can cost you a national championship, and that's that's what that's what's at stake when you're playing against elite competition. So you got it. You, you got attention to detail's got to be there on all facets. And Dabo is great. He's better at that than anyone will give him credit for. 
but what the heck's going on with special teams in, in our quarterback or secondary death right now? Well, you know what helps out your secondary immensely is having the best interior defensive line uh, going into next season. Well, I guess and a pass rush, so I don't know. I'll be interested to see where that comes from too. Yeah, big time. I mean, I think next year we're going to face as good, if not better, quarterback play um, from our opponents. Fortunately, we get Louisville at home. Lamar Jackson is going to be a step forward again next year. Florida State returns its entire receiving core, Dalvin Cook, and their entire O-line. Might be Sean McGuire throwing balls back there, which I think all of us would welcome. But they'll be a step forward, and I think they're going to test that secondary also. So, you know, not going to be a cakewalk through our schedule next year. I think these guys are going to need to... You know, start out with Auburn and our out-of-conference games. Um, you know, build that experience early. Any other notes on recruiting, Cody? Uh, no, I just I think we'll have some really really good updates for 2017 right around the corner. There's already some guys shaping up that look like some high-profile guys that look really good, um, and I, I think you'll start to see those commitments start to roll in. Trey Lamar and Rashawn Smith. Uh, two five stars got a bump from Rashawn Smith and Trey Lamar. I, I've seen Trey Lamar's film. I talked to Quacking Tiger about this. He looks terrific. He, he looks like every bit of a five star. I look for him potentially to, to be an instant impact player. Maybe maybe even start next next year at the Mike linebacker position. What about Xavier Kelly? Will he see some playing time early? I think he's got to. I, maybe you redshirt him. He's a little bit raw. He could he definitely use a year of seasoning. But I think now he, he's probably hitting that too deep. Guy's got talent. I think he'll be in the, in the NFL someday, but I think uh, he's going to be forced into action a little bit sooner uh, than we would have otherwise wanted. What are you, let's say you bring Quacking Tiger on in a couple of weeks, what are your top couple questions for QT? What the heck's going on with cornerback, or uh, our secondary, but mainly cornerback, and he'll probably talk about five hard dabos, um, even though I, I know he doesn't want to spew negativity, but I think that will be on his mind well a lot of people well I guess we have too a lot of people question uh, the signing of a two star uh, player TJ Green and now he's declaring for the draft in his uh, junior season so he was he was a three star and the dude looked great on film that was that wasn't easy to this easy coaching to staff knows what they're doing I mean I'll, I'll say that you can question uh, their five hard Davos and the legacy recruits and stuff like that, but uh, this team just played for a national championship and damn near could have won it. Did you see their special teams on in the national championship? I'm ju- I'm just saying that no one is above error, and when everyone is all consenting in the same room, there's no conflicting opinions. Then there's an issue. So I'm saying it's okay to be critical sometimes. No, I totally agree. Uh, but again, the the same guys that are playing on special teams were also part of a top ten defense, um, and some of the best best athletes in the country more so that comes down to coaching i mean right. when you look at it that onside yeah, kick, coaching versus like that talent. onside kick was not about talent that was about coaching all i'm saying is we have our awards too and it's okay to to point those out and be critical at times great well um <clears throat> that kind of wraps up thoughts on football at, at this point um definitely a bright future for clemson we'll keep an eye on uh, National Signing Day coming up in two weeks. We'll do another show before that point just to update everybody on on any news that have come, that's come up in, in that stretch. But uh, look forward to potential interviews coming up as well. Um, before we wrap today, we definitely want to fit in time for basketball. Um, ben, I'm going to flip it to you here. Talk us through the last couple of weeks. 
So I wrote these notes before we lost tonight to Virginia, so I'm just going to pretend like that didn't happen. I'm going to go on with it because it's a lot better when you win. Five wins in a row heading into ACC, or after the first loss in ACC play. Uh, started 5-1 and one of the ACC. That's amazing. Listen, the last time we talked about basketball, um, I said it's pretty depressing to kind of be out of it all before your conference uh, schedule even starts. Well, turns out I'll eat crow. I was wrong, but I... I uh, guess that the rest of you are probably in the same boat and probably had given up hope on the season after uh, outer conference play was done with. But man, the, the fact that this team, they go on the road in Chapel Hill, yeah, we still haven't won there, but to play as close as we did and then to reel off five wins in a row, uh, three straight wins over ranked teams for the first time in uh, school history, came out of nowhere to receive votes in a and both polls were ranked 27th heading into this week. Um, and even with the loss of Virginia, are only two ACC losses this year to the preseason number one and number two ACC teams. And both of those games are on the road. So there's a lot of exciting things going on in basketball now, surprisingly. I mean, most would have thought we were dead in the water heading into ACC play. So who has been, in your mind, the biggest? I mean, what, what guy is stepping up his game? Or, I mean, or as, as a team, who, what guys are... The the lead or the cause behind this? Well, it's obviously Jerron Blossom game, and this and this is what scares me: the fact that he's playing so well because it's this team's KJ McDaniel's. Um, he's making things happen in the paint. He's getting to the line. And he brings a toughness and leadership to this team that we really didn't have or see last year. He's super clutch too. Yeah, and, watching the end of that yeah. Miami game. I mean, it was it was not just all him, obviously, but. He led the charge, and didn't he have the dunk um, to wrap up the Duke game to seal that one? Yeah, and I mean the the thing that it does scare me. It, it, it sucks, you know. You see this one guy playing this well and kind of carrying the team, because uh, now I fear that like KJ, he's going to leave next year and we'll be back to crap. Uh, but I will say this: uh, I, number one, I hope that he he looks at you know what's happened to KJ McDaniel's after he left early and takes some notes from there and comes back for next season. But at the same time, he does have a better cast of characters around him than KJ did. KJ had a lot of these same guys, and uh, Noko and Roper and Jate, I think, uh, but they weren't polished. They weren't there yet. Uh, so now there is a solid foundation. There is something uh, to look forward to next year. So kind of aside from John Blossom game, who's, listen, he's been amazing, uh, Jordan Roper has played a lot better this year. His field goal percentage is up, and we can kind of talk about not just on the season, but how they've looked in that five-game win streak, the, the game against Virginia's side. Uh, Noko in those five games, 50% field goals, averaging almost 10 points a game. Roper, 51% field goals, 50% shooting threes, 88% from the free throw line, 12 points a game. Uh, Grantham, who's kind of, for me, been kind of silently consistent all year, um, that five grams stretch, over 40% field goals, over 40% three-point field goals, almost uh, over 11 points a game. Uh, these three guys have been playing really well. They've been kind of like, they haven't been consistent from game to game aside from Blossom game, but there's always been a guy stepping up. Um, and City Jute, even when Noko's been getting in foul trouble, he's come in and had some big games. He's had some like nine and 10 rebound games. He averaged uh, seven points a game in the five game stretch. His shooting percentage all year has been absolutely amazing, um, over 60%. So there's been a lot of guys stepping into different roles, and it's it's been pretty cool to see. Now, this Virginia game, we've seen a, a few steps back in the shooting, uh, but uh, what has been interesting to see this year is the Clemson team, in, uh, especially under Brad Brownell in years past, 
they've been able to win a lot of games or grind a lot of games out with just defense scoring in the 50s or even the upper 40s to win games. Every game they've won this year, they've scored over 65 points. So the defense hasn't been there as much. And I think part of that is losing Rod Hall and substituting him for Avery Holmes, who, on the other hand, is a better shooter. So you're going to start getting more points. And the changes in the rules and the shot clock and speed of play has had a lot to do with that. Um, But, you know, it's a more exciting brand of basketball than we've seen under Brad Burnell. There's been more scoring. Uh... You know, again, we've now started 5-2 and two in ACC play, and we've, we've battled our way back into the NCAA tournament discussion. Who would have thought that? Ben, I want to ask you, like, we dropped a few games in non-conference play. Some of those we probably should have won if we had a little bit better shooting. Um, others, we were probably just straight-up outmatched. What do you think is the big difference in this last ACC stretch, um, like, in the team's play? Do you think it's just guys finding their role, finding Blossom Game as that leader who's starting to hit his shots? What, is it better coaching? What do you think's the the difference here? I, I think they've been shooting better and beginning and been getting inside more. I still want Grantham to get inside more. He still relies more on his outside shot. He doesn't get to the line a lot. I think over time that um, you know again it's just a sophomore year. He started a lot as a true freshman. Um, we'll see that uh, come out of him. But really, it it does come down to shooting. Uh, you look across the board. Uh, Roper shooting a lot better this year. Grantham is a better shooter this year, bringing Holmes on. He, he hasn't played as well in ACC play, but he is a step up in shooting from Rod Hall. And again, we talked about City Jate. The the kind of we do lack some depth there. Gabe DeVoe is still not shooting all that well. He's only thirty two percent field goals uh, on the year and thirty three percent from three. Uh, but overall, uh, in what we've seen in this in the five game win streak, the Virginia game aside is that there have been guys, aside from Blossom Games, stepping up. And we've been shooting at a higher percentage, and that's why you've been seeing these wins come with us getting those point totals above 65. And it looks like we got a week off until the pit game here. Pitt's ranked number 20. Um, I think that was before today or yesterday's play. So we'll see where Pitt shakes out. Um, Clemson at 20 throughout that five-game win streak, three games beating top 25 teams. We didn't even sniff the top 25 ourselves. Um, a lot of that is definitely due to the out-of-conference games that we lost. But um, dropped one tonight to UVA, a week till Pitt. What is the one thing we need to improve as a team to try to compete for the NCAA tournament berth, possibly keep a top kind of three seed going into the ACC tourney? One thing that I've always admired about Brad Brennan teams is that they don't quit. They always seem to have fight within them. They've been picked year in and year out uh, to finish almost dead last uh, in the ACC. And he's managed to have pretty much a 500 record and finish in the top half of the conference every single year. And that tells you that's a team that fights for him and continues to play. And we talked about that. How do you know when Brad Brennell should go? It's when he loses the team. Well, he clearly hasn't lost the team because he got these guys. Listen. Out of there's only one loss in the out of uh, to a team in in out of conference schedule. Uh, only one of those teams is probably going to go to the NCAA tournament, and that's South Carolina. Um, I think Alabama and Georgia have a lot of work to do in the SEC. They haven't started off so well to to be able to make the tourney. So for the fact that them to play so poorly in the out of conference and now start this way, now five and two in the ACC again with those two losses being to the preseason number one and number two teams 
in the conference, that's absolutely amazing. So that's that's a lot to be positive about. Now let's ask ourselves, what is it going to take to make the tourney? Um, I think that out of our next, uh, really, uh, including the game against Virginia, I predicted that uh, Virginia and against Pitt and then at FSU, we needed to win one of those games. So we dropped the game to uh, Virginia. I think we need to win either against uh, number 20 Pitt at home or at FSU. So if we can do that, if we go 500 the rest of the way, I think we'll be okay. Um, let's talk about go five and four in the second half of the ACC, go to 11 and seven. I think that we'll need a couple of ACC turning wins. But if we go six and three in the second half of the ACC, I think maybe just one ACC turning win, if that. It and may, that probably it, does put us into a top four seed situation. So you're, you're likely to play somewhat of a bottom feeder. I think we can get in. And certainly, if we go seven and two in the second half, which I think is, listen, our, we have some key stretches, but the, a lot of our home games have come during this first part of, of ACC play, but also a lot of the ranked teams have come. You know, we have the Wake Forests and the, uh, the NC States and the Georgia Techs and the BCs left on the schedule. Like a lot of a lot of winnable games left. So again, never would have thought this coming into conference play after the poor out of conference uh, record that we have. But we've got a legitimate shot. We can make the tourney this year. Yeah, it looks manageable. I mean, it's it, you look at you. Get, we got to be rooting for ACC uh, teams now. We need that that Louisville game or Louisville team to look better. Duke, Miami, because you want those to be top 10 wins at the end of the season. And you do have a chance to make a, a statement at the end against Virginia at home, second to last game. So I, I think this is, so year in and year out, we see Power 5 conference teams with like a with a 19-win team in. I think this is the year that if we go 19-11, but that puts us at 12-6 and six in the ACC, I think that definitely gets us in the tourney. Yeah, and then you, you stack up these good wins against another bubble team that likely won't have these same good wins, and that could be the tipping point. So that's yeah, because they're going to go back stretch. and they're going to look at back at those uh, three top twenty five wins in a row, those two top ten wins in a row. Those teams maybe not be ranked uh, that high at the end of the season, but that that number by that game still matters. The, prote- the perception still matters. You beat Duke, you beat Louisville. That still matters. Yeah, I mean, I, I the way I look at it, if, like you said, we need to go at worst six and three in the second half. Here, I, I'm not really sure where I see three losses um, among that group. Virginia is going to be tough, you know, even for us at home. Road games are always tough at NC State um, and Florida State. I think we go on the road with them after Pitt. You know, that's going to be a tough one to win down there. But um, ultimately, if this team keeps playing as they have continues to find their groove, I think we're good. Virginia Tech's been playing well. They're 4-1 and one in the ACC, so I, I think those will be some tough games. But listen, if you know, John Bloss' game, he's a star. He's going to keep playing well all year long. Dante Grantham needs to get better. Jordan Roper, if he can still you know keep a hold of that hot shooting hand that we've seen him have in games. And if, if Noko can just stay out of foul trouble, we've seen how, we saw how dominant he can be on the inside. He was at against Virginia tonight. If you can just stay out of foul trouble and, again, just keep up the consistency in the scoring and bring that that toughness and that uh, willingness to play that we've seen out of Brad Belmont teams late in the season, we have a good shot. Great. Well, uh, 
we got a week off here till Pitt plays. Um, let's take a look at that game. Take a look at the Florida State game when we come back. See how our, our fate has improved there. Win both of those two, and it's kind of smooth sailing. Lose both of those, we're a little bit behind the eight ball. So I'd call this a pretty critical stretch. Great to get that week off. Um, guys can get back on campus, get acclimated, you know, take a look at that Virginia tape and correct some things. I say if we beat Pitt and FSU, if we win our next two games, I almost, I feel a 95, 99% comfortable saying that we're in the NCAA tournament. That puts us at 7-2 I mean, in the ACC with four ranked wins. That's incredible if we were feeling that coming into the year, let alone after that start. So again, good on Brad Brownell, um, getting it out of these guys. We've got veteran leadership on this team. They're just living up to kind of some of the expectations a lot of people had of them throughout their career. But certainly where I had left them for dead on the side of the road in a ditch, you know, three weeks ago. And what perfect timing this is for them to go on this run, right? We lose the national championship game in football, and going into that, we're not doing really great in basketball. Yeah, we lose that, but all of a sudden we're in the middle of the streak, and we're like, oh, well, something else to look forward to in Clemson Athletics. Is that Christian Wilkins out there in the Dante Grantham uh, uniform? I'm pretty sure it is. I texted uh, the screenshot of the final score against Duke to one of my buddies here who went to Duke, and I was like, sorry to, to bring this up, but we needed this more than you did. Well, and granted, Duke's <laughs> now lost three times in a row since, for the first time since, like, 2007, but who cares? We started it. It's all that matters. Cody, any, any thoughts on that? Being a, a big I, Duke fan. I've been so wrapped up in football. I haven't even gotten into Duke basketball this year, but I was I was very happy that Clemson won. We needed it. The morale. We needed it a lot more than Duke needed it. And uh, I one thing, one thing about basketball, I watched the second half tonight. They looked very good. There was not that much of a drop-off. The performance there, there's some consistency. They were going blow for blow against Virginia at Virginia. Very, very tough place to play. And, uh, you know, I, you know, it's like this. I'm not going to complain about the refs. It's a... It's a it gets tired, and anyway, but ACC play, you're playing on the road. You you, do, you get the benefit of some whistles here and there, and Virginia did tonight. So with that, oh, you, well, know, you you look at our the amount of free throws we took when we uh, versus what Duke took in that game. You can kind of dispel those uh, biased ref rumors. The one at home, the yeah. One, oh yeah, well that's Duke. They they always get the whistle. So uh, no, I'm saying in that game we got the whistle. Yeah, well, I mean, even at home against Duke, they're typically going to get it. So, or at least that's the perception. All right, right. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a good. It's a good start. And then with Virginia, though, I think they were just a couple plays away from pulling that game out. And I guess the thing that I, I key in on is in those the crunch time where it's, it's going to come down to one swing, one play to swing the whole game. They were they were executing, and that's something you don't see. You haven't seen from Clemson basketball a lot it, recently. And uh, one, I think Gabe DeVoe Gabe really DeVoe. just kind of yeah. flattened them. You know, that was a huge momentum. That killed it. It was a killer, yeah. And I wonder what he was doing in the game at that point. He played a lot of minutes in this game. I think he played 22 minutes. Um, yeah, I, I think that killed it. There's absolutely no reason to take a three that quick, that early in the shot clock, and then from that distance, especially when, again, you're shooting 34% from three, 33% from the floor on the year. Just a terrible shot. I mean, the whole team knew that. Brad Brennan knew that. That's why he called a timeout and took him out of the game right there. But that, yeah. I think that killed the game. We were coming back. I think we had been down by like 11. 7-0 run. Yeah. Totally killed it. Yeah, but again, you said there's no quit in this team, and that's a Brad Brownell hallmark. So um, great to see that play out in a tough environment. Um, bummer we didn't you know, make it down the stretch after we pulled it within two, but... Um, we'll take our lump on this one and move on. Um, all is not lost in the ACC yet, and um, I think we, we impressed some people with, the, with this stretch. So 
good stuff from basketball. We'll keep a close eye on this, and um, hopefully for all you Clemson fans, it helps you get over that that tough loss to Bama. Uh, but I think that's all we got for today. So thanks again, guys. Um, take take a peek. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any of our off-season action. Um, you know where to find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform of choice. We appreciate the listens, and uh, go Tigers!